Not many streets in the world are as famous as Wall Street. Located in New York City, Wall Street stretches from Broadway to the East River. Established in the 1600s by the ruling Dutch, Wall Street was initially a hub for the slave trade. Federal Hall, located on Wall Street, was also the site of George Washington's presidential inauguration. Following New York's abolition of slavery in 1799, Wall Street became a hub for industry. As New York's ports grew, Wall Street served as a center for international trade. In the mid-1800s, most of Wall Street's residents moved north to Midtown Manhattan, leaving more room for business use. Some of America's wealthiest companies set up headquarters on Wall Street, including J.P. Morgan's eponymous banking firm and John D. Rockefeller's Standard Oil Company. However, Wall Street really took off around the turn of the 20th century. Charles Dow, a journalist and stock trader, established the Dow Jones Industrial Average. This seemingly simple index, created by dividing the sum of stock prices by the number of stocks, quickly became the most accepted way to analyze the New York Stock Exchange. The NYSE peaked in September of 1929. Just a month later, the stock market crashed, symbolizing the start of the Great Depression. Wall Street was eventually able to recover and re-establish itself after the Great Depression. It grew rapidly for the rest of the 20th century. In the World Trade Center attacks of September 11, 2001, several buildings in the financial district were destroyed, and the chaotic nature of the attacks caused many to fear an economic panic. Despite this, Wall Street lived to see another day after 9-11. And today, it remains the economic capital of the U.S., and possibly even the world. Italian Americans are among the most distinct ethnic groups in the U.S. They are the fourth largest European ethnicity in the nation, behind German, Irish, and English Americans. The vast majority of Italians came to the U.S. between the 1880s and 1920s. Rhode Island has the largest percentage of Italian Americans at 18.9%, followed by Connecticut, New Jersey, Massachusetts, and New York. Although many Italian Americans initially faced prejudice and xenophobia in the U.S., they are overwhelmingly accepted now by American society. While there has not yet been an Italian-American U.S. president, Italian-Americans have had reasonable success in politics, primarily in the state of New York. In 1928, New York Governor Al Smith became the first Italian-American and the first Catholic to run for president of the U.S. with a major party. New York Governor Mario Cuomo was Italian-American, and his son Andrew Cuomo is the incumbent governor of the state. In New York City, Fiorello LaGuardia, Vincent Impellitari, Rudolph Giuliani, and incumbent Bill de Blasio have all served as mayor. There are currently five U.S. Senators of full or partial Italian descent. Catherine Cortez Masto of Nevada, Ted Cruz of Texas, Patrick Leahy of Vermont, Joe Manchin of West Virginia, and John Barrasso of Wyoming. There are also 30 Italian-American representatives. Supreme Court Justice Samuel Alito has Italian ancestry, as does incumbent First Lady Jill Biden. 
Today, unlike most ethnic groups in the U.S., Italian Americans are split almost evenly between the Democratic Party and the Republican Party. However, in the early 20th century, the vast majority of Italian Americans supported left-wing labor movements. Some even went as far as committing acts of terrorism to destroy American capitalism. One of these attacks targeted the epicenter of American capitalism, Wall Street. I'm going to tell you all about it right now on Historia Obscura. Welcome to Historia Obscura. This is the 31st episode of this podcast, and I can't wait for you to hear it. Special thank you to Patreon subscriber SodakZak. If you want to receive a shout-out in every episode, among other benefits, help support this podcast by going to patreon.com slash historiaobscura and becoming a patron. One more thing, make sure to stick around for a little to hear a message about the sponsor of this episode of Historia Obscura, Anchor. If you want to make your own podcast, you'll want to know everything about how to use Anchor. The Italian-American anarchist movement of the early 20th century would not have happened were it not for a man named Luigi Galliani. Born in 1861 in Vercelli, Italy, Galliani was a former law student who emigrated to the United States in 1901. After settling in Patterson, New Jersey, Galliani established an anarchist newspaper called La Questione Sociale. He also became a local union organizer, working alongside the international workers of the world. In 1913, Patterson Silk Mill workers began a five-month strike for shorter hours and better working conditions. By the end of the strike, almost 2,000 strikers were arrested. After observing the inefficiency of labor strikes, Galliani began promoting violent attacks against symbols of capitalism in the hopes of triggering a populist revolt. In 1914, 20 striking coal miners and their families were killed by the National Guard in Ludlow, Colorado, further radicalizing Galliani. He was known for his charisma, with a fellow anarchist once saying, quote, You heard Galliani speak, and you were ready to shoot the first policeman you saw. His fanatical followers became known as Gallianists. In 1914, a group of Gallianists began meeting at an abandoned house in East Harlem, New York. They called themselves the Bresci Circle, in honor of Italian anarchist Gaetano Bresci, who assassinated King Umberto I of Italy in 1900. In response to the Ludlow Massacre, the Bresci Circle made plans to kill John D. Rockefeller, who owned the coal mine in Ludlow. When a member attempted to detonate a bomb at Rockefeller's estate in Terrytown, New York, the bomb failed to go off. The group then targeted various targets associated with the Catholic Church. In March of 1915, Frank Abarno and Carmine Carbone attempted to bomb St. Patrick's Cathedral during Mass, but were thwarted by undercover NYPD detective Amadeo Polignani. Following this failed bombing, the Brescia Circle was disbanded.
1919, Attorney General A. Mitchell Palmer authorized a series of raids to arrest suspected anarchists. These raids, colloquially known as the Palmer Raids, were also meant to capture illegal Italian and European Jewish immigrants for deportation. Between 1919 and 1920, over 3,000 people were arrested, and 556 were deported back to foreign nations. During the raids, Luigi Galliani was arrested while attempting to flee to Mexico. In June of 1919, he was deported back to Italy. In response, Galliani's followers began a bombing campaign in his honor. Using Galliani's bomb-making handbook, 36 mail bombs were assembled by Gallianists and sent to targets such as Attorney General Palmer and various businessmen. None of the bombs were successful in killing their targets, and four Gallianists in Franklin, Massachusetts were actually killed when their bomb exploded prematurely. After these bombings, the Gallianist movement began to lose steam. However, it came back into prominence of April of 1920 when Italian immigrants Nicola Sacco and Bartolomeo Vanzetti were arrested for the murder of a security guard during a robbery in Braintree, Massachusetts. In retaliation for the arrests of Sacco and Vanzetti, the Gallianists made plans to strike a crippling blow to the American financial center, Wall Street. On September 16, 1920, the Financial District of New York City was conducting business as usual. Then, at noon, a man in a horse-drawn wagon began strolling down Wall Street. The wagon stopped across the street from the J.P. Morgan & Co. building at 23 Wall Street. The man in the wagon lit a fuse before fleeing the scene. Two minutes later, a shrapnel bomb in the wagon with a hundred pounds of dynamite exploded. Shards of metal and glass immediately flew out into the crowds of young messengers and clerks. In the ensuing chaos, the NYSE president halted all stock trading so as to prevent a financial panic. In total, 40 people were killed and another 143 were seriously injured. In addition, the bomb inflicted $2 million worth of property damage. Adjusted for inflation, that amount of money is worth over $25 million today. The shrapnel damage done to the J.P. Morgan building is still visible to this day. The bombing surpassed the 1910 Los Angeles Times bombing as the deadliest terrorist attack on U.S. soil. It held this title until the 1995 Oklahoma City bombing. As of today, it is the fourth deadliest terrorist attack in U.S. history. Immediately after the bombing, many people suspected that the explosion was an accident. However, police soon found anarchist leaflets near the scene. The identity of the bomber has never been confirmed, but it is widely believed that Italian immigrant and master bomb maker Mario Buda was the bomber. Shortly after the bombing, Buda left New York and boarded a steamship back to Italy. 
After returning to his hometown of Savignano, he was arrested for killing a police sergeant. He was acquitted in 1921 due to a lack of evidence. In 1927, he was arrested for conspiracy and sent to the island of Lipari. After being set free in 1932, he moved to Switzerland before moving back to Savignano, where he died in 1963. As for Sacco and Bonzetti, they were convicted of murder in 1921 and sentenced to death. In 1927, both were executed by electric chair in Charlestown, Massachusetts. The guilt of the pair has since been heavily doubted, and in 1977, Massachusetts Governor Michael Dukakis posthumously granted clemency to Sacco and Vonzetti. As for Luigi Galliani, he continued publishing his anarchist newspaper even after being deported to Italy. In 1922, after Benito Mussolini came to power, Galliani was arrested for sedition and sentenced to 14 months in prison. After being released, he was exiled to Messina on the island of Sicily. After receiving permission to return to the mainland, he moved to the village of Capriglioola, where he died in 1931. The Wall Street bombing is still an open case, as no perpetrator was ever arrested. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Historia Obscura. It really means a lot to me that so many of you listen to this show. If you want to suggest an episode of Historia Obscura, send me a voice message at anchor.fm slash historiaobscura slash message. Feel free to leave your name and location, and if I like your idea, I'll make an episode of it and give you credit. Additionally, if you want to support this podcast, go to patreon.com slash Historia Obscura and become a patron. And of course, I can't go without once again thanking this episode's sponsor, Anchor. They are by far the easiest way to make a podcast, so if you want to make your own, go to anchor.fm. With that said, this is Jack from Historia Obscura, signing off, but not for long.